between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth.
the son, the son, the great son, the great and mighty son. I come to stay. I have come to abide. I have come to abide. I have come to abide. It is my time of abode. It is a new era on this earth. It is the bringing in of the new heavens. It is the time of the bringing in of the new, of the new, of the new, of the new. I come in my true essence. I come in my true essence. I come in my true essence. You may think it's weak, but it is true. You may think it is weak, but it is true. It is great and it is mighty. It is great and it is mighty. I come, I come even with eternal light, with eternal light, with eternal light, with the great and mighty light, the great and mighty true light. I come, I come, I come to abide, to stay, to stay, to stay, to stay, to stay. I have come. This is inheritance, inheritance, time of inheritance, time of inheritance. It is time for thine to abide. It is my time to abide. I have come to abide. I have come to stay. It is that time to stay. I have come with eternal light for to abide, for to abide and to stay. I would only stay in new beings, in beings who have inherited the capacity of me to stay. They are new beings. They are not beings that are opposite of the current, but they are new beings. They are new beings. They are new beings that eyes have not seen, that ears have not heard of them, that no mind has thought about them. They are beings out of me. They are beings out of my essence of newness. They are being out of my essence of great and mighty. They are after my order. They are after my, 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 myself. They are after myself. I birth them. I birth them and I have come to abide in them. I have come to abide, says the Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Oh, we bless your name. We worship you. Bless you, Jesus. We honor you. We honor you. We reverence you. We bless your name. We exalt you. We glorify you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we reverence your holy presence tonight. The teacher, come and teach us. This is your class. This is your school. The, come and teach and Sit and teach us. Help us today. Help our hearts. Oh, bring our hearts, Lord, into these glorious things in you. Thank you. Opening, open, opening, open, open, bring openings and let doors appear, Father, even into this understanding. I pray, Lord, for every heart to be baptized into the flow, Lord, of, of what you have to say tonight. Thank you. Oh, thank you for so much grace and so much utterance from you and so much mercy to receive your words. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. Thank you. Glory to you. Mary Vehena Sata. Rapaste Prahano Priscaporia. Repihelosia. Testesistos. Tephistesistos. Tamihelo. Teprosipri. Rabbi Heveno Hota. Sesapraherus. 
thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, 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 glory. Glory to you. Glory to you. Glory to you. Glorious. Glorious one. Glorious one. Glorious, glorious. Glorious, glorious. Oh, glorious. All glorious, all glorious, all glorious. Mari Mohammedosh, Ela Baraba Oribeher, Lada Natanehara Mosia Dabahor Davis, Amanehemenol, Kaihanoske, Fanhata, Nantreske to Hata, Fahani Tamahava, Marashta to Nefarda, Berenahomasi, to play atris de Proske. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name, worship you. Thank you. Glory to you. Glory to you, glory to you, glory to you, glory to you. Maratoske Prohomanotas upon Zeminihosa. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you. We just minister to you from our hearts. Yes. Pastor Praman. Thank you. We just minister to you, Jesus. Worship you. Say Acts, sorry, I mean John, 
Praise God. John chapter 3. Mercy. Glory to Jesus. Amen. John 3. Let's read. From verse 1. John 3 verse 1. says that there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Amen. And the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said unto him that how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. And so, marvel not that I say unto thee that you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. And so is every one that is born of born of the Spirit. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Verse 5 said that, Very, verily I say unto thee, that except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, that he cannot do what? Enter into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. So, so Jesus is teaching um, the is actually teaching or showing a process which is the process of um, from the new birth all the way from the new birth up until the point of entrance into the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. So you see that there is there criteria in God for and there is a progressive um, method of approach towards God's kingdom. And we see that first, 
um, is the new birth, being born again, then after being born again, one must see. That's the next thing. Do you see that? After being born again, one must do what? Begin to see. And after the purpose of seeing is for entrance. Do you, are you seeing that? So, born again so that you can see. Right. So, then you, you need to connect verse 3 and verse 5. Praise God. When you connect verse 3 and verse 5, it will become apparent to you that you must excel in seeing in order to enter. Praise God. You must do what? Excel in what? In seeing in order to do what? To enter. That if you can't See, that means you must see and see until you can see the entrance into the kingdom. Praise God. And so, let's read it again, that except you're, you're born again, if you are not born again, then, then you cannot see, right? Now, then it says, except you are born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter. So, it means that the birth of water and spirit is the perfection of the scene of the entrance into the kingdom. Can you, can you see that from, from what, I'm, what we are reading here? Praise God. That it's the, the being born of the water and of the water. The spirit is forward. The, is the perfection of, of sight that must come to the soul, seeing that must come to the soul for, to gain entrance. Now, when you're thinking about the soul um, and speaking about entrance, doors, access, it's not the same way that you physically just pass through a door in the physical, um, to bring the soul into the kingdom. Of course, it's very clear that the kingdom of God is not a physical thing. It's not a physical house that you go to. Neither is the kingdom of God heaven. Right? Heaven is not the kingdom of God. The Bible speaks about the kingdom of heaven. So there is a heavenly kingdom, or you call it a heavenly kingdom, right? Which is a kingdom that is of heaven, that is heavenly, but heaven itself is not the kingdom, right? It is the kingdom of heaven, but heaven is is just another place where spiritual beings with spiritual houses, spiritual bodies can stay, they can live. It's a realm that God created in the realm of the spiritual, praise the Lord where the Bible speaks about he stretched out the heaven like a curtain, right? And he put beings in heaven, praise the Lord. So heaven carries the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is not, you know, it it was saying in the book of Romans, it's not meat and it's not drink, right? But 
is not in eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is. Now, when they say the word is, that is not a mistake. Praise God. So, what he wasn't saying that the kingdom of God is always about righteousness and peace and joy. Or neither did he say that the kingdom of God will give you righteousness. He was just telling you that what it is is a definition. Can you see? It's an, equa- it's an equation that a kingdom of God is righteousness. And then peace. And then what? Joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Are you seeing that? Can you, so you now begin to understand that thing called kingdom, that if kingdom is righteousness, righteousness is not a place. Right? Righteousness is not a place. Righteousness is more of um, my righteousness more of, is more of a, a state of being than it is a place. Right? Righteousness is more of an is more of a, an, a, a descriptive thing that describes a particular way of being or a particular state of being. It describes a state of being. It's a property, praise the Lord, that um, is a, righteousness is a spiritual property of, is a property of spiritual entity, e.g. the soul. That the soul can have righteousness, the soul can have peace, and the soul can have what? can have joy. And therefore, the soul can have the kingdom. Praise God. He said in the scripture, fear not little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to do what? To give you. So if the kingdom is a place that you are going to, why is he talking about it like that? It's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That is to, for the soul to receive the kingdom. Right, that receiving therefore a kingdom that cannot be what be moved. Are you seeing all this language of praise God of the New Testament? Receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved. So the kingdom of God is what something that is received in the soul. So are you seeing that? So praise the Lord. So when we are we are talking about pressing into the kingdom or gaining access or entrance into the kingdom, don't shift your mind from going to a place. Then think about it like your soul entering into something. Your soul coming into another quality of being. Another quality of state. Then when you entered into the state which is characterized by righteousness, peace and joy, that all of those things in the Holy Ghost, when such a person has received the kingdom. Does that make sense to you? Are you seeing that? So this thing about entering the kingdom, there is not a special something. He's it's saying that verily, verily, verse 5, that I say unto thee that except a man be born of water and of the word spirit, such a person cannot cannot enter into the kingdom. So, you see what I just described about entering into the kingdom. He's talking about the, it's like a metamorphosis into something. It's a change. You, the way you actually enter God's kingdom is through change. 
you, you change and change and change, and then you, you change into the kingdom. You change into the dominion of God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, as I said, that, that way of entering into the kingdom is through a birth, right, which is, is a birth that occurs to the soul, right? It's the, called the birth of what? Of water and what? The birth of water and of the spirit. Being born of, the, of water and then being born of what? Of the spirit. Being born of water and being born of the spirit is very, very key. Now, God's, God's kingdom, um, there's also, a, I want to, let's gather some set different wisdoms of the Bible so we can understand. Now, when you speak about the dominion of God, they are out of the three entities we know as the Trinity, right? They, out of the three entities we know as the Trinity, they are, they attach ownership of kingdom, ownership of kingdom, I mean, attached to the person, they attach the kingdom ownership to the father and the son. They don't attach it in that way to the Holy Spirit. You never see in the Bible the kingdom of the Holy Ghost or the kingdom of the Spirit. You, can, you won't see such language. But you will see my father's kingdom. In my father's kingdom, Jesus was speaking, talking about the kingdom of the father. Right, and you'll see later, Paul was saying in the book of Colossians that having what delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into what the kingdom of his dear son. So you see the, the kingdom of the son, right? When you speak of dominion, there is the dominion of the son, and then there's the dominion of the father, right? So, so you'll see that the kingdom, actually, very clearly, the kingdom is. Divided into two, there are two kings in the kingdom that, or two kings that have dominion in the kingdom. That a soul can come into the dominion of the of the son, right? And then after a while, the son, the soul can come from graduate through the dominion of the son and come into the dominion of the father. Right, but both the dominion of the Father and both the dominion of the Son, when you put them together, you call it the kingdom of God. Right, it's, the, it's called the kingdom because we know it's very clear that the Son is God, the Father is God. They are both God, but the scripture separates them as in terms of brings division to their own, their, their person and their entity, praise the Lord. Now, so you see that the Holy Spirit, now what, what the, sight, the sight I want to bring to you here is that when you are, you are entering, you are entering into the, the, there is, when it comes to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit now, that's that third person of the Trinity, you will, you, you can begin to, to 
deal, relate with him. We know we spoke on Saturday about his doctrine, right? We said that the doctrine, the apostles' doctrine is actually the doctrine of the Holy Ghost. Yes. That's the teaching of the Holy Ghost, the nature of the Holy Ghost, and all of those things. That there is, the Holy Spirit can begin to minister out of himself to his soul, but the soul in that ministration, that person has not yet come into the dominion of God. That you are receiving ministry below the dominion of God. But it's not possible for you to receive ministry of the Son that without, the, without God's dominion attached to it. Praise God. It's not, it's not possible to receive what the, the ministry of the Son without what? Without the, without the properties of the what? His dominion attached to it. It's like, it's like, a, a, it's like a, a person who is a king. You're talking with a king. When this king is talking, he's talking to you out of his inward configuration of reign that is on the inside because he is a king. He, he can talk from that inward configuration. Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. So there is there's something, as long as it is knowledge that pertains to the Son of God, it is a, it's, a, it's a knowledge of the kingdom. It's a knowledge about their dominion. Do you understand what I mean? Uh-huh. So if you ask me, what is, what is really dominion? What is knowledge of dominion? It's simple. The knowledge of dominion it just means the, the knowledge or the secret about the reign of their life. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So when you hear... The, the kingdom of God, the dominion of God, it's the, it's the, the knowledge of the reign of his, of, the, of his life. There is the, what you call the reign of life, right? The, the reign of God's life. You say that he who has received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, that's Romans chapter 5, shall what? Reign in life. Through who? the one, Christ Jesus. Amen. Am I speaking to you? Praise God. Now, so, there is, there is what you call dominion speech. Dominion language. It's different from just plain spiritual language or plain spiritual conversation. All right, there is dominion language that is different from what plain. Now, the Holy Spirit can come and then begin to speak to you about your own life. Do you see that? You can come and begin to speak to you about what? Your own life. He can talk to you about anything, anything. The most crazy things. Even the secret things that nobody else knows. The Holy Ghost can talk to you about them. He can talk to you about You see this part of your head? Why do you comb it like that? You comb in this side where? You, don't, you always leave one spot when you comb your hair. Why do you always leave that spot? Can you be coming that place? The Holy Ghost can talk to you about that. The Holy Ghost can tell you, see, don't wear too much. Um, praise God. For you don't believe me, you feel you're like, oh, Holy Ghost, are we always talking about the realms of glory? Everything. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit. Praise God. The Holy Spirit can come and tell you, hey, look, you have dark complexion. We have bright clothes. Don't always mix and match. This, this kind of outfit looks good on you. It's better. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, sir. 
that the Holy Ghost can tell you all kinds of things. Hey, stop eating that thing. <laughs> Don't eat that thing too much. You're eating that thing. <laughs> You're eating that thing too much. Calm down. Eat this other one. This other one is better for you. Now, when the Holy Spirit is telling you about things like that, that speech doesn't contain anything about the reign of the life of God. Rather, he's, he's bringing himself into your own life, into your own, you can call it your own dominion, which you don't really have. Amen. Which we are, bound is bound under the dominion which of spirits. Because for the majority of, for the most part, the life which we live, a life which we inherited from spirits. Praise God. So the, the Holy Spirit can come and begin to talk to us, but he's not speaking about, about the dominion of God. Right? The, the, there's, the, there's a difference between God's dominion. That's why, and that thing is, is something that um, as, a, as Christians, you must not be ignorant concerning God's dominion or concerning the kingdom. It's very bad to be ignorant about the kingdom of God. Very, very bad because that kingdom is the, it contains all of the, it contains all the, the dream of God and all the plans of God and all the, every good thing of God that God has towards man is actually inside his kingdom. Do you get what I'm saying? So, and the, now the enemy knows that. He knows that. So, there is always a contention about dominion things. Anything that has to do with God's kingdom, there's a contention concerning it. Now, when the Holy Ghost is telling you about combing your hair, wearing a different shirt, doing something else, stop eating that thing, it doesn't, it doesn't shake the agenda of Satan. Right? Devil is not, hey, what is he doing? Holy Ghost, why is he talking to him about combing his hair? Praise God. Neither when you are trying to, maybe you have $10,000, you're looking for how do I invest this thing so that I won't spend it or I won't waste it. And then you say, okay, how can I make it grow so I can have enough for late for the future? Very good thought. The Holy Spirit can come and say, okay, this is what you do with that money. Divide it into three. Put one here. Do this with this one. Give this one or something like that. Now, when, as, long, as long as just pure conversation about natural life, as long as it's in that, just has to do with natural life fully, your increase in the natural is not a trouble to Satan. Like, becoming, let's say you becoming rich, becoming wealthy, no, it's not a problem to Satan. That's not, those are not the, the, the things that are his problem. You know what I mean? In fact, he makes men rich. Right? And I can almost guarantee you that there are more people who are made rich by Satan on the earth than those who are made rich by God. Do you understand? The way, if you count blessing as just natural things, then I can argue with you that Satan blesses more than God. Do you understand what I mean? 
He can. He watches how how people rise and all kinds of things. There's some. There's a kind of soul that the devil will just look at. That this kind of soul is too unstable. Let's not commit too much to his hand. He can. He can scatter things. But but they can. You can train another soul. Say you. They will check all his his equipment of his soul. They will check it. Stinginess. They will check it. That this one can hold things. Are you getting what I'm saying? They will. They will check it that if you give this man resources, it can be a conduit that we can use to establish corruption, corrupt life upon the earth. It can rise and it can, it can grow, it, become, it can become a stature of, of progress. It can become an example upon the earth. When they look at that, and he will not fail. He will not fail. When others are losing their mind and becoming too religious and all that, he will never do that. He will stay calculated and he will stay on the principles of living, of natural life. He's powerful. He can hold the natural life. You see resources will begin to flow. Spirits will begin to open door for resources to go to souls. David lamented about such things that you will see the wicked prosper. He now, he now got to understanding. Don't, don't fret. Look, don't fret when you see the wicked prospering. There's a program behind the wicked to prosper the wicked. Are you getting one? The same way God can maybe want to bless his own children. Satan wants to bless his own children too. He looks at them he, based on their, their potential in him. You know that soul can have Soul doesn't only have potential in light. Poor soul can also have potential in darkness. In fact, your potential in darkness is what God sees and God wants to kill. That's, it, it, it troubles God. God sees. For each of us, the Lord sees our potential in darkness. He knows how far you can go if Satan handles you. He knows that this Ah, and there are some of us that, hi, Satan will. Ah, if I can have this one. If I can do what? If I can have this one. That's why the devil doesn't, doesn't go away. If God has raised somebody, you see, you see Satan can assign an army of demons, of devils and spirits to one person who God has raised. Because if that guy can turn away from God. What, a, what an asset such a person would be. It's not, only God who like, it's not only God who likes development, who likes growth. The devil also likes growth too. If you get what I'm saying. He also loves stature. Why would he take a man and then give the man his seat, his power, great authority? In Revelation chapter. No, that was a man. The beast that rose out of the sea was a man. You see, see here, I saw a, 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 a scarlet colored beast, right? That beast that arose out of the sea. Imagine a man rising from the earth. The man was, ah, too awesome to Satan, to the dragon. Too lovely. What a man. What a man. What a man. When he saw him, he just, he just left, he's giving him his, his throne, gave him his seat, gave him his authority, so that this guy can get the job. And, and, and truly, as soon as that landed on him, he began to display. 
things that other men are afraid to do, he began to do it to blaspheme God. No men are afraid of God, but that one is not afraid. It's a different kind of breed. He has stature to blaspheme God, to blaspheme his temple and everything. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, so men, men are in statues. They are, men have potential in both light and darkness. That's the thing with the soul. That's the curious thing about the soul. And that's why, by God's grace, none of us should live our soul just like that. Don't just, it's not, that's why it's not good to be ignorant of spiritual things. Because if you are ignorant of spiritual things, you, you are not just, you can't just stay the way you are. You can't say, no, I don't like all these spiritual things. Let me just focus on my natural life, my career. Let me do my work well. Let me just focus on my family, you know, take care of my kids and my daughter, take care of my parents. I don't, see all these extra spiritual things. I don't like that. You know what I mean? You, you discover that you didn't factor in something. You didn't factor in your, your potential in darkness. That all of those things which you are running to go and focus on, somebody defined them. Someone defined them. You get what I'm saying? He, he, he has entered, he, he broke into every sphere of, every, of man's endeavor. And he, he poured definition. He, he brought forth definition of, of how men, not okay. Let's say if a man wants to focus on his family, let's take that for example. For example. Right? Okay, I will just focus on my family. I don't want to be doing things that are too spiritual. Let me just, I just like simple things. I don't like extra spiritual things. Just simple, okay? So let's take focus on the family. What does that mean? What does that look like? Focusing on your family means you have to think about your wife and your children, right? Now, what about your wife are you thinking about? Clearly, you're not thinking about them inheriting God's kingdom and dominion. That's out of the question. So you're not thinking about growing them, growing spiritually. That's not because you yourself, you've left it. You say you want to focus on them, on them, on them. Praise God. So what about them will you focus on? You start thinking, okay, well, my wife too, she should have a good job. She should have a good career. You get what I'm saying? She should be able to bring in some kind of income and all of those things. Now, that income you want her to bring in, where is it? Is in... He is in a realm, a world of, where, of, <laughs> of spirit. It means you, she has to go and in, you can't bring in income without interfacing with complex systems that spirits of, that fell from heaven, evil spirits who, are, who have vicious hatred for every man that God created. They have been in this world and they have... Now, how did men, how did systems come about? You know, people don't like this kind of thing when you're talking. They say, no, why are you trying to demonize everything? People get angry. No, everything is not devil's property. Calm down, calm down. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Look at it, look at the, 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 all the systems of the world. Check what is, what is dry. Have you ever seen, worked for a company before? You say, in this company, the goal is love. <laughs> that we are just here to, whether we make profit, whether we don't make profit. If our competitor, no problem, we just want our, no, it's not like that. But you see that the, the drive behind the system of this world is greed. 
you have to be. You must be empowered by greed. If you are a CEO, you start a company, you are not greedy enough, then you must step down and go and hire another CEO who can do what you cannot do. The marketplace is, is built that way. Crush the others. Take everything. Don't leave any, anything aside. Do you get what I'm saying? These are the systems. If you say that it's a lie, you are naive. You are naive. You are just naive. You feel like, no. You see, like all these banks that control the economy now. You think, if you think they are there for your best interest to make sure that you are okay, forget about it. There's something. And so what is inside men that drives men to structure systems in that way is spirits. Spirits, are you getting what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You say, okay, you want to focus on your child. And what do you want to focus on? It doesn't, it's not more than, well, they should eat, that's good. They shouldn't die of hunger, that's good. They should wear clothes. But then when you think about developing, remember you've removed God from the equation. You just want to develop them. Even if you say, okay, I just want simple Christianity. So they go to church on Sunday. They go to Sunday school. Now they go to Sunday school and they come back. But that Sunday school didn't mean, mean too much. Right? You know, the real focus of that child is their future. Their future. You, you, you know in your heart that what you're... They become inheriting the life of God. It's not your main concern. It is really what they become. In, 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 are you seeing what I'm saying? Now, I'm just showing you that how that thing, let me focus on my family, is you, you might as well just say, God, I just want to go and take a holiday in Satan's backyard. That there is, no, there is no middle point, right? There is no middle point of, there is no middle, no sweet spot of blissful ignorance. It does not exist. I don't want too much, you know, the spirituality. You have a problem that you cannot solve. What's your problem? You have a soul that is spiritual. That. You say, no, I just want to be a good worker. Why being a good worker? Something spiritual will be happening to your soul. No, I just want to solve calculus. Why solving calculus? Something spiritual will be happening to your soul. You can't stop it because it's a spiritual creature. It's it's an entity. It's a spiritual entity. You, You walk into a an office. When you get into the office, you say, I just, want, I just want to go and see somebody. Nothing simple. When you get there, I'm just a simple guy. You know, I don't, want, I don't like too extreme things. You know, I don't like hyper spiritual things. I just want to go and visit somebody in the office. But then you get into the office, you look, glories will start talking to you. Glories. You can't, you can't help it. You can't help it. You can just go to office. After seeing the person coming back, you came with fresh seeds, fire of ambition. What next to be? What I want you to say, seed of ambition, what they're talking about is how 
to spend your soul. How to spend the energy of your soul. Are you getting my point? Praise God. So, so that's why that thing is, God knows that. That's why when God was trying to solve the problem of humanity, God knew that man's problem is not to stop solving world hunger, world poverty. Right? That was in, that was in God's calculation. Today, you have churches who feel that that's their mandate. What they call, they call it social justice. Bring justice to society. But God is against social justice. God said the poor you will always have with you. Paul was writing, he said, those of you who are born again, who are servants, don't seek to be free. He said, don't pour your energy into that. Liberation, no more servant, no more slavery. When you see servants in the New Testament, it's actually slaves. You know, it's not, it's not a waiter. It's not, it's not, neither, it's, it's not you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's only God has to use some, a word to help, but it's actually slave. You have to know the times, in those times, when you say a servant, he's a slave. He's a human being which somebody else owns. He bought him. Do you know what I mean? Aha. Then Paul said that, those of you who are servants and got born again, don't seek to be free. That's not the freedom God is bringing to you. Imagine the, imagine the audacity. That will tell you that what we care about is not what God cares about. And racism. How do you know God wants racism to end? <laughs> Let everybody equal. Did God say that? Did, where do you get that? Did, All Paul just said is that if you are a master, treat your servants well. He <laughs> didn't say freedom. Have you read that before? You've not read that before? But, but some of us, we are too righteous than God. No. No, it's a lie. You know what I'm saying? Those things are not the concern of God. Of what use is a free, corrupt soul heading to hell and the lake of fire? There are some souls that that servanthood is your salvation. Men don't see how, God doesn't see how men see. Yeah. <laughs> mm. If you are a, you know, there's a kind of soul that you hate this message completely. <laughs> this is what I say. Well, I'm, well, I'm telling you the truth that this is, the, this is just how the, the things that matter to us are not the things that matter to God. God will say, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and then lose his soul? That's, just, that's God's own mathematics. Our own mathematics is, 
I have 10,000, how can I get 100,000 by next year? That's your own mathematics. And in your own mathematics, you are not calculating how much of your soul is being spent. And you are losing in the process. You never, have you ever seen someone doing balance sheet and then in a, in a, they have a line for soul, life? How much life of my soul? But, so it means that that does not factor in. In other words, we don't factor in. In getting this 100K, how much evil would my soul accumulate on the way? We don't even have the metrics to measure it. But when you see God's own balance sheet, there is no dollars there. There is no naira there. God is not balancing dollars. And dollars. God is balancing soul, death, and life. How much death is occurring? That's God's own problem. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So when, when God was trying to solve the problem of man, God did not send a, someone to, t- to solve hunger, to take away poverty. Those are not his concern. When Jesus Christ himself came, they were expecting him to go over and take over Herod's kingdom. And then ah, they said, when will you restore the kingdom? They, they thought kingdom was that seat that Herod was sitting on. That was under, you know, their pain was that that seat was still under the Roman rule. And even though they had, they knew they had a king. Imagine Israelites looking at Herod every day. King Herod, King Herod. But inside, they know you are not in. You are not a king. This is not the kind of king Israel should have. We know that you, you are a servant of Rome. Caesar just kept you there. So that you don't have to rule by himself. You know what I mean? So even though they were free, they know that they didn't have that kind, the kind of freedom they ought to have. They knew they were still subservient. They had to give to Caesar. I get what I'm saying. So when they, Jesus, now what is Jesus' own wisdom? It's not go and take over the everything. It's given to Caesar. What is Caesar? That was Jesus, right? It means that in Jesus, in God's calculation, Caesar owns something. Caesar owns something, and, then, and God owns something. Now, what belongs to Caesar is the money. Money doesn't belong to you, it belongs to Caesar. What belongs to God is your soul. But we change it. You give money to God and give your soul to Caesar. Do you understand? <laughs> that your soul doesn't belong to Caesar. No, no system on the earth should be collecting tithes from your soul. Be collecting energy of your soul, your devotion. If you are devoted to anything on this earth that is not God, you are abusing yourself. You should not be devoted. When you say, what, is, what about my, my career, my work? Yeah, your career is to help your natural... Right? It's got nothing to do with your soul. Remove your soul from that place. Right? Your job is not meant to fulfill you. It's a language from the pit of hell. Well, career fulfillment is a language from hell. God did not create career to fulfill any soul that he created. 
all. It's just the soul is for one thing. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Not part, all. When it comes to your soul, all, all, all thy heart, all thy soul. Don't give any space. That thing belongs to God. Do you know what he said? I know this fanatism. God is a fanatic. Jesus is a fanatic. The Holy Spirit is a fanatic. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have, to, you have to just accept that, that this is it. Why, why go halfway? Are you getting my point? I'm trying to just show you a, make a I'm just making a case for the kingdom. Um, because if, if sometimes we teach kingdom, but I feel like sometimes we don't spend enough time trying to explain what, why, why does man need the kingdom of God? Why do we need the dominion of God? Why do we need God's dominion, you know, on the earth, in you? Why does, why should, you know, when Jesus was teaching them to pray, that Father who art known, hallowed be thy kingdom, why should his kingdom come? Thy kingdom come, thy kingdom, it means thy righteousness, thy peace and thy joy, come. Then thy will be done in the earth as, as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. This is, that's a, a holy prayer. The Lord's prayer. Say, say as, it is in heaven. as it is in heaven. When you bring that phrase into the question, it will knock off a lot of sense of Christianity that we have. You now discover that a lot of things that we are doing is not as it is in heaven. Because many things we are devoted to don't exist in heaven. Hey. Wow. <laughs> Let's go and build an orphanage. Hey, they don't do that there. Do you, are you getting my point? You're, you're seeing what I'm saying. That heaven, that, that's why it's called the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven means the, the, the how, the, the, you have to gain a concept of the reign of God's life in heaven. Right? I know heaven is not an empty, dry place where beings are just there. Elohim. Elohim. <laughs> That's why some, some beings are scared of, terrified of heaven. Is that what we'll just be doing from Monday to night? Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you. Inside the heart, some souls don't really want to go. The only reason why some souls want to go is because they're afraid of hell. <laughs> so look at the other side. Ah, no, let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> but because heaven has not been opened up, we've not understood things about heaven, we... We just know that they just sing there. No, no. They don't just sing there. There are more things happening in heaven than on earth. Heaven is more busy than on earth. There are more ventures in heaven than on earth. There are more explanations, sorry, explorations in heaven than they are on earth. If physical mind can craft out a, an, a, an industry, a field of learning. Now, what do, what do angelic minds do? What do, are you getting my point?
you now, this should shift a lot of things concerning. Imagine a man called Jesus of Nazareth. If you check, you want to map out Jesus' footprint the whole time of his life on the earth. He did it, it's not up to how many kilometers. Just of Nazareth. But when he even went to Egypt and all of that, it was, his, it was, it was carried, it wasn't even him. When you actually check his footprint, it's not too, you go and look at the map, the tiny place where he, all his life, he just lived there and died there. You expect that the Son of God should walk, travel the seven seas. And, <laughs> and then in that one tiny spot, he was saying, my, my, my food is to do the will of my father and to finish it. The son of a carpenter. It means that he can do will, all of God's will, and finish it in one spot. It didn't involve importing and exporting and building industry and everything and then feed all the poor and hunger. Are you, what's wrong with us? Why, why are we... Are you getting... Question, did Jesus finish the will or not? He was there, just with them, in that tiny place. He said that whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. Means he was, Mrs. Father was doing something. And he's seen it. And he says, I'm with you right now. I'm actually doing what the father is doing. So it means that the, the business of God's kingdom is not the business of men. But when men are not spiritually instructed, we want to bring our busyness and give God and say, God, I have, like that guy that would come, he said that, they would come and say, Lord, we did what we prophesied in your name, we did all manner of everything. In your name, everything, we did them. And I said, look, depart from me, man, I never knew you. All those times you were doing all those things, we actually never knew each other, you were just doing things in my name. <laughs> be, don't, don't be too confident when you are doing things in his name. Be, have some kind of sense that it's possible that this thing I'm doing in his name, this, there's no guarantee that he, he has any concern about this particular thing I'm doing. It's very clear. So look, think about the life of Jesus. And it's, it's clear that he inherited the kingdom. That was a prophecy that Gabriel brought when he spoke to his mother that he said that he shall be great. Imagine a child that you will conceive, you bring forth a son in the book of Luke chapter one. So you will call his name Jesus. He said that he will save his people from their sins and then, and he shall be great. Now, was Jesus a great man? When, uh, these days in our church, when we preach greatness, imagine a, imagine a minister of today teaching a message about greatness. What will he be saying? Does that look like Jesus? But an angel from heaven came and told his mother, he shall be great. And the, the measure of his greatness is that they will, they will give him the throne of his father, David. Right? And we know the throne of David is, is, is a name. David's throne is named after the throne of God. It means the inheritance of the, of the kingdom. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? 
And this concept, we now say that that word greatness is another word that you should be concerned about, you should be afraid of, you should be heavy when you say great. Hey, that's a great man. Calm down. According to whose measurement is that a great man? Say, ah, a great man of God. How, by whose measurement is it a great man of God? Later, Jesus now began to <clears throat> speak concerning the concept of greatness in the kingdom. You know, the, the disciples, they brought the question to him. They were arguing with him themselves. Who will be the greatest out of you? No, that one will be greater. I'm sure they were measuring their stature. Maybe they look at Peter. Hi, Peter. This fisherman configuration cannot be. Uh, praise God. Maybe the ones who was maybe a former tax collector or something. Somebody who had some social pedigree. Hey, someone like that can handle greatness. So they'll be arguing and say, okay, who will be the greatest in the kingdom? With their falling sense. And they now took it to Jesus. Okay, Jesus said to this matter, out of us, who will be greater? And then Jesus now said, ah, greatness. Then he began to, to teach. To, it was to explain another concept of greatness. That there's something else that is called greatness to God that we don't know about. He just brought them to put them around. Remember he made them sit around or stand around or something. And then he brought a little child. And then put a little child in his midst. And he said, if anybody be converted and become as little children, he will then what? He will, he will enter. Except you be converted and become as little children, you will not enter the kingdom. Imagine that statement, first of all. <laughs> See, Jesus, what are you talking about here, man? We yeah. are. Jesus, we're not talking about, we're talking about greatness. Greatness. Are you seeing? <laughs> Except you be converted and become as little children. That's Matthew. Is that Matthew? Chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. If you're not converted, what's the meaning of converted? It's soul. So when he says you become as little children, he's not saying you become a little child. He said as. As means there's something about your inward state that should become as. What's the sign? What's the, what's the qualification of little children? They are, number one, they have no ambition. That's childlikeness. They are not too aware about the world. They are not too, <laughs> they are not too serious. They have sort of almost like a playful kind of disposition towards what we call life. <laughs> what the adult calls life. Hey, life, oh, hey, don't do that. All those things that make the adult's heart vibrate. You've seen a child with playing around it, like it means nothing. 
You pray in the water. What, what is wrong with you? Can't you realize that this thing is important? Why? Because there's something about the child like heart. It's not. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not serious when it comes to the definition of life. Some will say, oh, what kind of pastor is you are teaching on seriousness? <laughs> Being on serious. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. On serious pastor. Amen. <laughs> so you mean all the things that we think about our, our image, our glory, our status, our this, our that. Children don't think about that way. Children are free. They, they, are, they don't have, they are not shackled by the, the weight of the cares of, of what we call life. So, there is a conversion. So, so Jesus said, said that except you be converted and become as what? Little children. So that means that being as little children is the same thing as being born of water and of the spirit. What verse is that in chapter 18? Verse 3, right? Except you be what? Converted and become what? As little children, you what? Shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. In chapter 3 of John, it said, Except you be born of water and the spirit, you will not enter. So the criteria for entrance is to being being converted and becoming as little children is the same thing as being born of what? Of water and of the spirit. So, he that... And you know that the wind blew it where it listed. So it, you hear the sound thereof, but you don't know where it's coming from or who is going, where it's going to. So is he that is born of the Spirit. So it means that that description is almost the description of little children. That little children are windy. You, you can't put them down. Hey, stay there. When you come back, you can never meet them there. <laughs> Try and plan how they will act. You can never. You will see the most ridiculous thing. The, the childish heart breaks the codes of normalcy. The, the regulation of the, you know, this, what we call life. The child is not tuned to, is not bound by that thing. There's too much excitement within to keep a child down. Too much excitement on the inside. The child is too excited to be bound by those things. When the, when the child weighs the rule, up and down, see down here, why? That's what normal people do. People just, normal people just sit down. <laughs> when you are normal, you just, you're not doing anything, so just sit down. The child will wait. 
The child is looking at you sitting down now, feeling like something's wrong. Like, what? Are, you, are you okay? Why are you, why are you just sitting down doing nothing? Let's play, let's play. That's a child. Are you getting what I'm saying? It has different configuration. Because he's not concerned. It's not, the child is not concerned about being proper. Being proper, being put together. All of those things which, which the external life brings to the soul. The expectation of life, of how you should position yourself and conduct yourself. A child doesn't take the mold of, of, the, of the world. Do you get what I'm saying? So he said that except you who has that mold, except you be converted and become as little. I'm not talking about natural things now. Uh-huh. See, those attitudes which manifest in children in the natural, they have their, their own parallel in the spiritual disposition of a soul. Right? So a soul or a heart can be, can be childlike the same way a heart can be serious. Right? Paul, was it Paul that was saying that in malice be babes, but in understanding, be men. He was speaking about the soul. When you say malice, malice is not just talking about, I'm not talking to you, no. Malice just means anything that is of ill will. Right? Anything that is ill will, that is not, that is not good, that's not flowing out of a good place. That in, he said in such things, be babes, be like a baby. But when it comes to understanding, be what? Be men. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's talking about the the inward configuration of the soul. Amen. So Jesus was teaching them concerning greatness. He said that except we be converted and become as little children, you will not what? It means they will not admit you. Forget about greatness first. They won't admit you into the kingdom except they come as little children. They now said, except you humble yourself and become as this little child, as the child which is set in their midst, then what? He who can do that is the word greatest. He that humbles himself and becomes as this little child is the word greatest where in the kingdom of heaven. So you are seeing that God's, God's own yardstick for greatness is completely what? Different. So when they were speaking concerning Jesus, you see, uh, the, the angel was the other person who then tied the concept of greatness and the kingdom in Luke chapter 1 when he was speaking to Mary, the mother of Jesus, he said that he shall be great. Then he answered that he will what? Inherit the throne of his what? His father, David. Praise the Lord. Amen. So that thing called greatness, you have to learn through the sense of Jesus that God's own, God's own thinking is different. I see souls make this, this mistake a lot of time. Most of the time when you see a person get weary and tired about the school of God's life, get burdensome by exploration and the exploit in the knowledge of God or the pursuit of revelation knowledge and the pursuit of the, of the invisible, most of the time what causes that is because the soul has lost touch with God's measurement and standard. So, Whenever you lose touch with God's standard and God's measurement, all of a sudden, the Bible will no longer make sense to you. 
it will no longer make sense to you. What makes sense to you will be, will be life. Then you now begin to, you now, once life begins to make too much sense to you, life should not make too much sense to you and should not be too attractive. I mean, just natural life. It should, natural life should not be too attractive. When natural life is too attractive to you, what you would do is, such a soul would then take God and put God in a balance. By balance, I mean weigh him. You begin to weigh God. How do you weigh God? You begin to, to check the applicability of God to your natural life. Then, any aspect of the way God is coming that you are not finding applicable to your life, you count it as superfluous to requirement and you put it aside. Do you understand what I mean? That a soul that, a, a, a heart that highly holds this life, that a soul that really cares about this life and really wants to be, either you want to be great, you want to be, you want to be great, you want to either have a name or you want to be relevant. Are you seeing those things? You want to be great, you want to have a name, you want to be relevant. You don't want to fall behind. It's your language. You don't want to be slow. You know, you don't want to be irrelevant. I think all those things pertaining to this life. I mean, this definition of life. Any soul that holds those things too clearly. Oh, sorry, too seriously. When you hold those things too seriously. The, as when you do that, the, the purity of God's nature and essence begins to lose its appeal to the soul. Right, so the soul will now, will now begin to look for a God that has, that is customized and has relevance for the life which they are holding. Are you seeing that? Whenever you, whenever your, your taste, you not know, is a taste. Sometimes you, you feel like eating okra, sometimes you don't feel like it. So sometimes you, you, feel you, you enjoy life. When the taste for life increases in, your, in you, when it's strong, you love, you're, you're tasting after life. When you, when you, that, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. When you do that, when you have that, you're in that kind of state, you begin to put God in the balance. So the, the way God is appearing to you, you begin to chip things off him. This one is not relevant. That one is not too relevant. This one has no application. It's not applicable. I think that word applicable, that's the evil. A lot of the evil that's been done in man's pursuit is trying to apply God. That is, are you getting what I'm saying? It's 
Have you seen that thing? It's, a, it's, like, um, it's, a, it's like a giant lie in that has, it stands in the church. When you go to, if God has helped your heart, has washed your heart, when you enter into many of our, sorry, I'm not putting down, we all have, let's just talk about our problem, you know what I mean? We are all the church. I'm just, we're just talking about the things that God needs to heal us from. When you walk into most of our assemblies of meeting today, when you're walking, if you're, when you put, if you're perceiving, perceptive in your heart concerning the, the truth and the, of God, you, just, you see one giant idol standing, very tall, very tall, taller than the ceiling. What's the, what is it called? It's the idol of application, of applicability. That, that, that idol is giant. When the pastor is preaching, he has to be making, watching that idol, please help him not offending you. Please. Ah, oh, you don't like that scripture? It's true. It's not applicable. Okay. Let's find it. That, that idol is what writes messages for many pastors. It, it approximates God. Imagine you have a giant number. And then you cut off all the definition from it. Amen. The problem with, with trying to reduce God is that what you end up with at the end is not God. It's something else. It's a, so this thing I'm describing is a weakness that, that Satan has taken generations to create. It's waiting for, he's been waiting for the, the season where God will want to unveil himself. When it's time for God to reveal himself to men, he made it so that at that time, men must have been so weak that they would see God coming and laugh. <laughs> Is this a fairy tale? How can this be real? It's not applicable. We will make sure that man's life, what we call life, has have journeyed so far. That the God in his true essence will have no relevance in the life that man defines for himself. Praise God. So say applicable. Say no, Christianity must be applicable. Your everything about it, make everything. In other words, when you go to a church, you hear a message, you just take that message and go and apply it tomorrow. Now, 
And I, I was talking to someone yesterday, we were having a, a chat, and I was telling the person that, that there's an unholy alliance going on. Unholy alliance. It's an alliance. It's an alliance, it's an agreement. It's an unholy alliance. It's a contract between who? The pastor and the members. If you make him applicable, we will keep coming. It's a secret contract, but they, all, they both know it. When I walk into something, I just I feel the tension. Hey, what is the tension? As the pastor is talking, they are watching him. Hey, is he bringing those Bible school things or not? No, okay. They check, they check these analogies. Hey, wow, that relates to us. Yeah. In fact, I was in that same scenario yesterday, you know, we just, uh, and I, like, you, just give, you give me a point. Next time I know what to say. Wow, I was so blessed today. And the, and the man of God, he knows what kind of, okay, ah. Okay, let's talk about your stories that will apply, apply to you. And then he would tune himself and tune the message and tune everything out. Make it apply. Wow. You've done what an awesome minister. I just love when he talks. Ah, when he's just talking. Ah, everything he's saying will just be, will just be applying to your life. Everything that he's saying. Now, my question to you, where do you see such a, a standard? Who was, who, out of all the people who taught in the New Testament, which of the audiences felt what they were saying was applicable? Was it Jesus when he was teaching? Jesus said, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you. Oh, that's so applicable. <laughs> it's such a much. <laughs> Or was it Paul's preaching? Was it John? Was it even Isaiah? Or Habakkuk? Or Malachi? Was it even Moses in the desert who began the preaching and which of them preach applicable message? After a while, they say, Paul, thou are beside thyself. Too much, much learning has made thee mad. It is actually a, it's, it, it's almost unbroken transcription that those who talk about God speak alien language. Because God is an alien to man. You can't talk about a being who came from eternity past, who is going into eternity. You can't talk about the, 
the, the immortal God, who alone had immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach, which no man had seen, nor can see. You can't, you can't talk a bit about that being and say, is he applicable? I get them all. You know what I'm saying? Rather, you should, you, should, you should cry that if they can make you applicable in this world. If they can translate you into, if they can tear down your frame of, your, of thinking, your way of, they can, if they can tear down the bondage that is your mind and your thought process. If they can set you free from that bondage, that cocoon called your life and your understanding and, and by chance help you, help you to take a leap, a quantum leap into his own world. That's the kind of prayer you should pray. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's, something is wrong with our this our modern, uh, somehow our approach to God. Something is wrong about it. Satan, and it's a spirit, Satan did that. That cherub, amen. <coughs> who, he knows how God, you know, now he has sat there, imagine a being who has been in the presence of God. He knows, he knows how God's revelation flows like. <laughs> how God's thought flows. So he knows how to craft and raise men to be formed against the entrance of the of what? Of the knowledge of God. Let man be so intoxicated and drunk with his own things to the point where he begins to judge God by his standard. That's the goal of Satan. And I, I don't have problem with someone, an audience trying to trying to validate what is being taught. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with an audience using their sense and their life to judge the word of God. Can you tell the difference? Because even those, you said the Berean Christian, they went back to check if those things were so what were they checking? Were they checking how their great-grandfather used to do things? It's very, very clear. It's through scripture. You have to compare spiritual things with spiritual. That's, that's how the wisdom of God operates. You have to compare spiritual with spiritual. So the only thing you are authorized to compare what God is saying with are things he has said before. You have no right to compare what God is saying with what, with what you feel with what you believe, with what you think, with how people behave from where you came from, with your vision of the future, with your conviction. Do you understand? <laughs> but these are things that, that the, the, the present world has filled men with opinions. Everybody has an opinion. We have an opinion about everything, about everything. We also have an opinion about God. Ah, but this is what I just feel, oh. You get what I'm saying? That's, just, that's not right. Such language should not exist, right, around the scripture. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I'm just, trying, all I'm just telling you about, I'm just trying to, sh to open up your mind to, to accept and appreciate the concept of God's dominion, right, or of 
God, which is, and his dominion means the, his own kind of life that is different from yours. Praise God. And so when he sent Jesus to solve the problem of humanity, um, he didn't bring his, a problem, Jesus was not a problem solver that had skill to solve what men define as problem. Jesus did not solve any. If you went to the list of, let's say at that time, they could rank the top 100 problems of humanity. I'm sure Jesus didn't solve any of them. Rather, he came, he, he came to bring another solution to, to a problem man doesn't even count. A problem man doesn't see. A problem that is not written. When you go to the United Nations, you know, they had, before they had some Millennium Development Goals. They had visions for, at this time, should have done this in the world. This amount of people should be fed out of poverty. This and this should have happened. Certain communicable disease should have, died, should have been eradicated. They have all kinds of goals concerning men. It will surprise you that when you check God's own list of problems for men, none of those things might, might match. Because in those places, they don't see the, pro, the real problem of man. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, any soul that is not tuned to pick the concern of God will always make wrong judgment when God begins to bring solution. You see the person who God wants to, to help who can refuse the solution of God because he will judge, say, God, this thing has no relevance to life. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Praise God. So we have to be careful with this thing called, say kingdom. kingdom. Say kingdom. 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 The kingdom of God is the economy of his life. The economy of his thought is the economy of his will. Things beyond man. Those things, they are not things that are relevant to the physical, outward man. But they have all relevance to your soul. You see, a soul that is rejecting the truth of the gospel, if only you can picture his soul. His soul is crying, no, don't reject it. Don't reject it, no. That's what I need. That's the medicine. That's the medicine for my sickness. That's the medicine for my disease. But the man doesn't know. He's, no, 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 this is not right. This is not applicable. No, no, no. Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. So, the Lord has to help our heart Amen. concerning that. So, this thing called the kingdom, all right, there is... There is entrance into it. Like the soul can enter and the soul must enter. You must say I must enter. And I will only enter God's kingdom. I will be great in the kingdom. One of the ways to measure greatness in the kingdom is, is the abundance of life. Somebody who doesn't have greatness in the kingdom, someone who's wretched in the kingdom, you can enter the kingdom and be wretched in the kingdom. A soul that's wretched in the kingdom will be wretched with life. I mean, when I say life, soul life, life of the soul. But that person can be rich in goods and money and things and equipment and career and names and, and accomplishments on the earth. But 
but poor with life. And then acquiring God's life is not that easy. That's the thing. Once you become sensitive to it, you now get to, to appreciate that it's not a one plus one equal to two kind of thing, that there are things around the life. There is, the life of God is shrouded with a mystery. It's actually covered, it's hidden. That there are different layers of his life, but there is actually the, the peak of life in God. It's that thing that Paul described as immortality. When I was talking to Timothy, that who alone had immortality? Immortality is a kind of life. It's how is God's life, how life is in God. The kind of life, the quality of life which he lives is an immortal kind that is not in danger to anything. It's a life that can never die, that can never depreciate, that can never decrease. It's a kind of life who only had, who alone had that kind of, are you getting what I'm saying? But the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But what? I said, I have come that you may what? Have life first. You must first have life. But not just there. Have greatness in life. That would more abundantly, he's talking about near abundance. So if you can have life, and have life more abundantly, it means that life is in measures. Why would they speak about life more abundantly if life is not in measures? It means that the life they're talking about there is not just what happened to you when you got born again. That if so, as the case, then all of us are the same. You are born again. It's not the life in your spirit, man. He's talking about after you got born again, is how much life have they poured into the vessel called your soul? That men are carrying life in sizes. Some, a, man, a soul can be very wretched with life. The soul, but somebody can be a kind of bound in life. Then Paul was saying that he that has received the word, the gift of God, the abundance of what? Grace and the gift of righteousness will then what? Reign in life. That word reign in life means to receive the dominion of life. To come into the reign of life. It's that Romans chapter 5, coming to the word, the dominion of life. Praise the Lord. So now, so as Jesus was teaching, what he was teaching and speaking to Nicodemus here was his kingdom, well, I've tried to demystify kingdom to you, right? That he's actually teaching concerning the inheritances of the, that, that separate life, that alien life of God. So he's now saying that that life, amen, that to enter into it. That's what we call entrance into life. Passing into life. So you have passed from death into life because you, have, because you love the brethren. So that word pass is journey. You journeyed from death to life. You passed from death. The, the, you've another way to put that. You've got a pass mark in life. You, have, you passed. You actually passed. You pass, you've, you've inherited life. Praise the Lord. You pass from death unto life because of love for God, of the brethren. Amen. So they're saying for you to press into life means pressing into the kingdom. It's simple as pressing into life. That for a soul to do that, 
First of all, you must have seen life. If you don't see life, you cannot access life. Now, how many people are seeing God's life? No, I don't mean that I believe the, the life. Many of us believe. Like that's, the, that's the criteria for getting born again. You must believe that God raised him from the dead, according to Romans chapter 10. That is, God gave him life. God quickened him. You must believe that. You can believe life, that there is a life which God has, which he gave to Jesus, which also you now have because you got born again. So you can believe, and by God's grace, we all believe that life. If you don't believe that life, you, are not, you won't be alive spiritually. The criteria for them to, have, to recreate your spirit and get you born again is your belief of that life. You believe that is a life which Christ has that exists, that God wants to give to you. When you believe that, that's what causes the resurrection of your spirit, man, and gets you born again. Are you getting what I'm saying? But my question, the life which you believe, have you ever seen it? Now, to make you understand what I mean, if I ask you, do you see life, natural life? I know everybody here sees life. Because if I can, I can give you the microphone now, I'll just say, okay, can you describe life? Okay, Wesley, describe life to me. Natural life, describe life to me. Not spiritual life, I just mean, uh-huh. Natural life, sir. Yes, sir. Can I just use myself as a sample, sir? Okay. Then, then, then. Yes, sir. Please, sir. Is that? I wanted to. Okay. Natural life is that men. Men want to. Men want to make it. Let me let me guide you. Um. I want you to take natural life, mm-hmm. turn it into a curriculum, hmm. okay. right? That and in, in the way that when you look at everybody, the same thing everybody does. Yes, sir. Just, it's, just, it's, a, it's not a mystery. It's clear. Yes, sir. That there's actually... Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Is that that if you are doing anything outside that, you, are doing you wrong. think, what is wrong with this guy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. To explain life okay. to me. So, sir, is that... <clears throat> From when you are small, yes, sir. you have to be the best in your class. Okay. You always have to carry first. So that when you do that, if you don't do that, you will not enter school. You will not get to the next level of school. Okay. Is that you when you're done, that you have to do well. You have to do well. In school. Yes. You have to do well in school. Mm-hmm. And so that you can enter primary school, you can enter secondary school. Mm-hmm. After that, you have to go to university and choose the course that will make you be something, be relevant. Okay. You cannot choose, uh, although things have changed now, you cannot choose anything that will not, medical doctor, engineer. Mm-hmm. You have to choose all those things, lawyer, mm-hmm. all those things that will give you a stand in life. Yes. After that, you have to, at a certain age, mm-hmm. when you're done school, you have to come out from school and you have to find your partner that can pursue life with you. <laughs> when you find your partner that can pursue life with you, at a certain point, you cannot be renting anymore. You have to buy a house. Okay. When you buy a house, you cannot have one, but you have to have multiple because you have okay. to get income. Yes. 
yes. you have to invest because all eggs should not be in one basket. Okay. <laughs> At a certain age, you should not dare have job, but money has to be working for you instead of you working for money. Okay. <laughs> Why is that? Ah, sir, that is just... Uh, because you cannot be wasting your time. You have to invest yourself in some other things as opposed to 9 to 5, clock in, clock out. You cannot be doing that thing. Okay. So, sir, that curriculum. And at a certain age, if you are 30, you are still working. No, you have to must have retired. Millionaire or billionaire at 30. And at 30? At... <laughs> so, you mean the age has come down? <laughs> yes, sir. So, there are different, there are different things, sir. And then you now have to start in, inspiring the young ones that adore in life. And yes, sir. So, ah, still, ah. Praise God. You sure? Okay, so you just, you just give me a pathway of somebody who wants to be excellent, maybe through the channel of first career and then breaking into other things. Praise God. But now, there is somebody as I say, no, I don't follow that. There are other people who don't follow that. Like, somebody didn't go to school. Right. Like Cristiano Ronaldo didn't follow that pathway. <laughs> Are you get what I'm saying? He didn't follow that pathway. But check him. He followed the curriculum. The curriculum is simple. It's, when you, someone is born into the world, you go through like just babyhood. Right, an infancy. In that place, when you're moving into childhood, you have to learn key things. First, you must learn socialization. How to be social, how to make friends, how to. Uh, so that will determine a lot about how you, you go, how far you go in life. You, then, after you learn socialization, you now begin, you now begin to learn how to gain tools, right, to that will help you to first understand the world, understand life, and secondly, how to sow yourself and find a place where there can be a reciprocal transaction where you contribute something and then you get something back in return. And for you to do that, you must be good at something. So the first, um, from the beginning of like the middle of the first decade of life into the end of the second decade of life is devoted to becoming good at something. It can be anything, pick one, cooking, washing cloth, <laughs> playing football, playing instrument, music, creating music, being an engineer, anything. You must the first, um, how long does it, how long is it, does it take? From when you're around five age, they start training you till the end of the second decade, like around close to 20 something. The, that phase is for to be, to become good what? To become good at something. Then the curriculum of the second decade is to become a master at something. Not just being good. If you don't become a master at something, you can't be considered an example on the earth. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Then, so to become a master at something should take you into your, the, your third decade of life, plus maybe 30, then 30-something. 30 By your mid-30s, you should become a master at something. Gain mastery. It's mastery at something that gives you millions. Just being good at something cannot make you a millionaire. You must be a master at something. Are you getting what I'm saying? Then once you hit that point, then you begin another phase, which is investment for the days when your strength is gone. You get what I'm saying? So see from that 30-something up until the next decade, 40 and 50, is investing. That you are working, you are applying yourself, you are acquiring capital, you are building relationships, you are networking, you are creating a family, the kids who will take care of you when you are old, you are doing all of those things, those years is for that. And then after that, you now got into the twilight of life where it's time to then begin to reap all the things that you have sown. And then after that, you go to your grave. That is the curriculum of life. And anybody who doesn't fulfill that is a failure in some sense. And we all know this. When you are raising your child, that is the map you are raising. If you tell me you are raising your child outside that, then after some time, people begin to ask you, what's wrong with you? You are, you are wasting this child. What's happening? It means that there is a pattern. Everybody is expecting it. You must follow it. So that is in summer, that is what they call life. Natural life. You can see it. Now, you think that God doesn't have his own life. Is God's life just a vague concept? Ah, we got born again. Is it a cliche? Ah, we are Christians though. Okay. What is the meaning of Christian? We are born again now. Okay, why? We are going to heaven. For what? Uh, so, so you won't go to hell now. Where is heaven? Okay, what will we be doing there? Once you start getting to that, are- that, that arena, you've caused a lot of problem. You see, answer begin to get slower. You mean that we don't really know too much about this born again thing that we are doing? That's why we, ha- we have no clue. It's the lack of seeing life that makes men define Christianity around charity. We are born again to help others. Then you know, the, you know the most righteous one is that you are saved to save others. Right? Means that you are born again to do evangelism. That's the most righteous of all, all of them. You know what I mean? You now discover that a huge part of Christianity, Christianity has been abused, it has been reduced to another means to serve that natural life we just described. That as a Christian, you can aspire. I'm going to do so well. What's, who, who's the, the, the 
when you're picking the Christian, the top, the most excellent of them, they are the, the ministers. The best of the best. That is that inside our best of the best, when it comes down to it, for the most part, it's just another career part. It's just a job. In Canada, I won't lie to you, that's the only problem in Canada. Being a pastor is just a job here. When you get to the church, you realize that this guy is just a, they employed him. <laughs> then they can sack him. That most of what we define Christianity about is just a way to serve that thing, that natural life. It's an abuse. It's why we do that is because nobody is seeing life. That life that is in your spirit, man, they put there. Nobody is seeing it. Nobody is seeing it. It's not easy to see. One of the things that fights against the scene of God's life is the sweetness of the natural life. The natural life is too sweet. When you start talking, ah, there's another life. Uh, hey, shut up. Ah, there's another life, you know, in the, the, you know, the unseen, the realm of the spirit. God is, God is spirit, and they that do worship him must worship him in spirit and, and in truth. For the, the Father seeketh such to worship him. Hey, wait. Uh, yeah, spirit and truth means that when you are, worship, when you are worshiping, be sincere. <laughs> Is that the meaning of worshiping in spirit? Now, what does it mean to worship him in spirit? Where is spirit? You know, we've not really... We, have, we haven't really come into enough soberness that is required for the, the, the realm and the world of our life to open up to us. There's a, there's a, a soberness and then a sobriety and it's also a, a weaning out of the, the, the wine and the intoxication of the world, of the, of the outward life, of the carnal life, the life that expires the strength of man. There has to be a winning from that intoxication when the, the, to, make, to bring the soul to a place of soberness. So that the soul can then begin to what? To see life. That's what Jesus was talking to Nicodemus about. Yeah. Say, Rabbi, good master, I know, we know, we know, we know, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Why? Because no man can do the things that you do except God be with him. Jesus didn't want to follow that line of conversation. Jesus could have asked him, what things 
Do, am I doing that you saw? That convinced you that I am a teacher come from God. You would have said, ah, oh, yeah, didn't you like feed 5,000? You converted bread. It's very clear that's what. And Jesus could see where he was coming from. Jesus knew that everything that this man is, that sees in me that makes him see me as a teacher come from God has nothing to do with God and God's life and God's kingdom and God's dominion. But Jesus didn't even bother to quiz him too much. Just began to speak, except the man was born. Okay? He cannot see the kingdom of God. Then, sharp Nicodemus. Yeah, okay, what do you mean? Can a man be born when he is old? So it means that Jesus was fetching language. He was using spirit terms, talking about with spirit language. But then Nicodemus was on this side, trying to make it applicable. He said, Jesus, no, this thing is not applying, no. It's not applying. Can a man go again into his mother's womb? Then I, 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 I now call it, and I'm, I'm now puzzled. Why didn't Jesus care about his question about applicability? He didn't even bother to answer him. He went on, except the man was born of the water and of the spirit. That's actually a nature. God behaves like that a lot of times. He said, God, we've not understood that last week's message. Why are you coming to, the, to tell you about the other one? <laughs> this, that one, that first one, wait, 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 that thing is still hanging somewhere, man. It hasn't become applicable. <laughs> Jesus went to and said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot but enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. What is he talking about? Imagine Nicodemus, a teacher of the Jews, just being wondering, what is this man saying? It means that Jesus was talking from another economy of words, different speech. These things, we quote them, is majority in the, church, in the church, we don't teach them. To teach them means to open it up. Don't quote it the way Jesus quoted it to Nicodemus. What does it mean? Later, Jesus said, Have I, are you a teacher of the Jews and you don't know these things? <laughs> I've only told you about earthly things. What if I tell you about heavenly things? That's what Jesus Christ said here. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Are thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verse 10, verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, that we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen. And ye receive not what? Our wit. We, we speak what we don't know. This is, Jesus is telling you that, look, I'm not apologetic about bombarding your senses, about being born and all of that. I have no apology for you. And I'm not trying to explain it to you either. Because we speak what we don't know. And that which we have seen, what? 
we testify. We are not receiving our witness. One of the greatest sins, that was what Paul was speaking about in the book of Romans, is making the, taking the image of the incorruptible God and making it like what? Like unto corruptible. Man. Should we turn God into a being that cares about house and car and money? And how to be the best in your workplace? Should we take the incorruptible God and turn him, make him become that? It's an evil to do that. But if a, a minister of the gospel cannot bear the threat, so you know members have threat. They don't touch with mouth to his eye, they used to threat, face. <laughs> what are they, they, they telling you? We're not flowing with that thing you're talking about right now. We're not telling you, we're not flowing with that kind of stuff. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So except a man be born again, he cannot what, see the kingdom. Except you're born of what, water. And as we know, you can stay at this door and teach and keep talking. Because the, what Satan has done in this place, what he has done in this place, see that, that area of the doorway of access to, to break the, and shift the sense of the soul to make the soul with compatible with script, with kingdom understanding, it's not easy. It's not easy to transport a soul and move them into the invisible and make them continue to, to be fed and to continue to take journey and to grow in the invisible. It takes power to do that. It takes a lot. Like the same way, it takes a lot of energy to lift up a a jet, a Boeing 747 from the ground and suspend it in the air for hours. If at any point that engine fails, there is a problem. Yeah. I think, boy, you see, when the, that flight is taking off, the, you know the amount of fuel has been burned, energy expended, just to overcome gravity. What is gravity? That which pulls. No. The ground is saying, hey, play, you belong to me. Don't go up. You can't fly. You must not fly. You have to take sufficient energy to overcome that force of gravity. For that thing to take flight, that's how it is for us. So that thing, that the the bond, the bed of the spirit is the fuel, is is the excitement of the soul to give the soul enough energy to break that spiritual gravitational pull that pulls the soul to the earth. That makes the soul want to stay what? On the ground. That's, you know, now imagine a soul on the ground crying to, the soul that's looking for applicability, what you are saying is that I don't want to take flight. Please, make everything be like bread for me. God, what aspect of you can I put in my pocket and spend? God, what aspect of you can I convert into earthly glory and status 
to gain approval of my parents, of my community, and then to solidify my name that I did something on this earth. That's the question many souls who are coming to God ask. That's what they're looking for. When you talk about something else, that talk about the reality of his world. No, 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 no. That thing cannot translate into what I'm looking for. Are you get what I'm saying? It takes energy to... So this energy, Jesus was teaching about the, the kind of dealing that it takes for the soul to, to gain entrance into the world, into the, the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying that the energy for entrance into the kingdom is the energy of sight. That's what they are teaching here. It's the word, the word? Energy. So, being born of the water and of the spirit is the giving the soul of the soul the sight of the kingdom. It's not an easy job to do. To open up the soul to the point where breakthrough happens. You know, it's a moment of breakthrough. If you've journeyed through this path I'm describing, you will know. You know when you had breakthrough. When you started, when you access started coming to economy. You, maybe it's possible you can remember the first day when almost for a whole day you are able to suspend your mind in, in thoughts of the invisible. Me, I can remember clearly a season. It's like a baptism when that oh, the invisible open up to me. When I say, I don't mean seeing ghosts. No, no, that's not invisible. <laughs> that's not what I mean by invisible. I'm, when, I, when I say invisible, you can take the concept of charity, faith, and you can open it, x-ray it, think it, fellowship with it, digest it, look at it on diverse sides, through the patterns of scripture that talks about that world. You know what I mean? That the description of the realm of charity, you know, all that pertains to charity. You can talk about, look at it from, okay, let's take charity, look at it from different aspects. What about the, the, what of the fate of charity? Charity has a fate. What about the fate of charity? The unfeigned nature of it. You know, you can meditate on that for days. A faith that is unfeigned. You look at that faith, you look at it, it's, it's sort of courage within the soul. You can have, inward, you can have vision. I'm talking of invisible things right now. Vision of how a soul can press into a faith. What, is mean, what does it mean for the faith to be unfeigned? It means a faith that is completely pure. Right? That, are you getting what I'm saying? That a faith that is what completely pure that is a pure supply of the spirit and has to do it, you know, take it from there and say, okay, what if an unfaith is unfeigned? It means that it, there must be behind it a pure hope which it substantiates. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then you now begin to say, okay, if faith is the substance of things hoped for, and then charity comes out with, out of 
a pure heart with faith that is unfeigned, then you cannot begin to see charity as the substance behind the faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? That, so it does not mean that charity is the substance which unfeigned faith brings to the soul. I just did a simple mathematics now. I just left the natural. I just went into the spirit. And I, just, I was just talk. I was just, now what I just said now, it is, it's, it's something to my soul. Inside of me is a sight. That's something, my soul just captures something. And I have that thing. You can't take it away from me. It's something on the inside. I just, I just, I just took a journey into how faith can produce the substance of love, which is charity, on the inside. And if I continue, I, I, will, I can continue and continue. You now see that the scripture has many more things to say about that faith. Are you, feeling, you see how you can be suspended in the invisible? You know what I'm saying? Now, you can't suspend yourself in such thinking for a long time without life being added to your soul. So I'm showing you the technology of our soul press into the kingdom. Our access is granted, right? So this thing called water and spirit, right? This water is the, are the, the kind of thought that constitutes the side of the kingdom. That's what this water is. It's a kind of thought that does what? That constitutes what? The, the sight, the seeing, the seeing of, of the kingdom. Praise God. When you begin to see the kingdom, the first thing you see is righteousness. Right? There's righteousness, then you will see peace, and you see joy. Now, seeing righteousness is not the same thing as entering righteousness. Seeing peace is not the same thing as entering peace. And then seeing joy is not the same thing as entering into joy. All of those things have entrances into them, right? The power of entrance is sight. It's also a law in the natural. 
Do you want to enter into something natural? You must see it first. You have to see it. Nobody makes a million dollars without first seeing it. You can't make an advancement. You can't enter. When I say to enter means to, to, to settle or to find, to step, step your feet in the reality. It means you've entered into it. it means that you have come into where? Into the reality of it. No body, no soul can come into the reality of righteousness without first seeing righteousness. It's key. Seeing righteousness is key to enter into it. For a soul to enter into righteousness, you have to first bombard the soul with the sight of righteousness. The soul must see. They must, they must do a, uh, a, a vision through, you see that water, the bed of water and of what? And of the spirit is the, is the loading of the soul with the, with the sight of righteousness. What is the meaning? Why did they call the first point in the kingdom. Why is it called righteousness? Right. It means that everything below that is not righteous. So it's very clear that seeing the kingdom is the scene of righteousness. To see what is right. To see what is right. That was what happened to me. I remember, I remember the first day I saw righteousness it was in 2011. That was the first day I saw righteousness. Before, I had confessed righteousness. Now I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm born again everything. But I've never seen righteousness before. <laughs> I have a sense of judging, okay, this is right, don't lie, don't steal. That's right. But that's not righteousness. And you can never know that's not righteousness until you see righteousness. Seeing righteousness, I remember that. I remember very clearly the, the impression of, of my heart. You know, the, before then, the Lord had been preparing my heart. He told me to go into fasting. I went into fasting for, I forgot, almost like 40 days, something like that. And before then, he has been preparing me. He took me through the word of faith. I went to the word of faith, which is the word which is, a lot of it is centered around the, the, the if you enjoy word of faith, there's plenty of, of Plenty of Holy Ghost dealings inside the word of faith. Am I correct? And then, it, it, form of faith contains a lot of conversation of the Holy Ghost within the natural dominion of men's lives. Within the natural sphere of God's life, men's life. I had gotten to that, a place where I enjoyed that, but a word test in my, arose in my soul. This cannot be it. There must be something else. There must be something more about God. I know God can meet my needs. I know God can do anything. I know that God answers. I know that any time that if you can believe, like Jesus Christ, like Jesus Christ said, and no doubt in your heart, you will have whatsoever you say. I had journeyed to the end of that thing. I believe that I had, I had enjoyed it. But I, there was something inside of me. There's something more. This can't be everything. This can't be everything. I don't know where that came from. It was just something on the inside of me. I began to do, I began to seek the Lord and I began to pray. I began to pray. I began to pray. And then one day in the night, the Lord spoke to my heart as clearly as I could hear anything. Go 
to the Bible. I opened the Bible and he showed me where I read. He said, call upon me, I will answer you and I will show you greater mighty things which thou knowest not. And immediately I saw that. The hope entered my heart. I knew that the Lord has answered my quest and my prayer. Praise the Lord. Then the moment, the first time I, begin to, I began to hear righteousness. The first time I began to hear. I, I, that was the first time I heard speech describing another world of things. Speech, that's what the Reverend Kayode Oyebuke was the one teaching. In those, the message, the first message I learned, I was, sorry, listening to when he was teaching. You know what I kept seeing? I kept seeing another word that has been hidden from me. I kept seeing another word entirely. Someone would teach for two hours, three hours, and he's talking about another world. Another economy of things. Entirely. And then he, he taught and taught and taught. And one of the messages he landed in Hebrews chapter 1. And he was teaching. For he loved righteousness. And hated wickedness. When he said that phrase. I understood it. So you mean that is it possible for me to just love righteousness? I have been taught that in asking God for your needs and God answering you, you will find God. That's what I have been taught. So that God not being the object, but in your activity of writing your confession, Believing God for your career. What's your next phase in life? Writing out your everything. That in doing that, 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 that is the point of Christianity. That as God is meeting your needs and all of that, that through that God is being glorified. Because you are, you are asking him. You are not going to do it by yourself. So because God is being glorified, he's getting his glory. You are good on the earth. You have a good life. And that's it. That's the paradise. But I now discover that. You know, but actually... Someone can just love righteousness. That there is something called the love of righteousness. That not other things, I mean just righteousness. That is in God can be the object of pursuit. I saw it. I saw it. And that was the side. That was the side that I saw. That was what I saw in my heart that changed my entire world entirely. It changed my cause entirely. It means that to love righteousness means. You can love the thought of God that might have nothing to do with your life. Do you understand me? I had been taught the whole time that serving God is all about, it's all about getting things through God. Don't do life by yourself. Bring God into the picture. Don't get money by yourself. Go, use God to get it. Pray to him. Let him give it to you. By faith. Do you know what I'm saying? 
So literally, in summary, what I was being taught was pursuing things through God. And I had mastered it. But what is there? I saw something else. I saw the possibility of a heart to have a pursuit that has nothing to do with you and your life. That is purely the pursuit of the thought of God and the righteousness of God and the mind of God. Are you seeing what I'm trying to say? That is a deliverance. The moment a soul can see that thing and accept it, you've had a breakthrough. When you can see that thing and accept that thing, it is a kind of birth. It's called you are being born of water and of the spirit. Once a soul can accept that, you no longer be asking stupid questions. Like, hey, how does this apply to me? You stop that foolishness. Why is your life so important that things must be, God's things must apply to? Do you get what I'm saying? You become, the, that, that is a great, this thing that Jesus was teaching here was, it's a, it's a great gulf of separation. They can see it in the spirit. There are some men who have crossed over. There are men who have never crossed. This, I mean, the crossing over into God's economy. Souls that thrive on invisible. A soul, when you give them the invisible, they don't ask you for anything else. They say, thank you. This is what we need. A soul that can stay on the righteousness of God and follow it through and is not expecting something else. That, that who has made God's righteousness the object of their life and of their pursuit. Let everything else be taken care of. This was Jesus' teaching in John chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said, take no thought for your life. He didn't say, don't take a little, no thought. No, come into a place of no thought. No thought. Take no thought for your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear, and all of that. He said, like, your heavenly father know what you have made of these things. So he's not saying that you should go clothless or foodless. He's just telling you that somebody else should think about them, not you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. You know what it means to take thought? They're not saying that don't work for money. The Bible says, I will not work, let him not eat. No. You see, you have to understand Holy Ghost language when he's talking. He's trying to tell you something. I'm going to work and I'm being diligent at my work. It's not, it's not the same as taking thought for your life. The problem is that men take the thought. They, 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 this is that, that thing that should just be something that you do for your natural upkeep. They will take it and put their soul there and make their life about it. That is the evil. Are you, are you seeing the difference? That's what Jesus was dealing with, that thing called the evil eye. It's that evil. It's sufficient for the days, the evil thereof. They don't take thought. Don't, don't take it. Don't take the thought. 
for your life. Don't make the thought about your life your own. Let it be God's own. Then God can give you direction. Okay, it's time to do this now. Hey, walk there. This is fine. You can be walking here now. I say, okay, Lord, thank you. I will do that. What is not the thought? There are other thoughts which you should take. Say, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, the, so why do they attach the kingdom as righteousness? Because when you are trying to see, seek ye first. So that was to seek means he that is pressing into the side of the kingdom. That the first thing you see about the kingdom is his righteousness. Because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness first and peace and then joy in the Holy Ghost. So, so it means that the approach into the kingdom, right, which is the birth of water and the spirit, is the sight of righteousness. And Jesus said that when you seek you first that thing, the kingdom means, that word seek means desire to see it. Seek it. Use, it means that it's actually desire to have it through the vehicle of seeing. That's what it means to seek. To seek something means to, 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 to attempt to have through the, the power of sight. So you, you seek it out. Are you getting what I'm saying? So it means the power of the kingdom is sight. You press into the sight of the kingdom to see righteousness. Are you seeing that? And when you seek it and it's righteous, then forget about every other thing. Then the, the way a kingdom person lives is they live through the method of things being added. It's another thing. It's another way of living before. It's not, you don't live that way before. I didn't used to live the, that this way before. Before, everything in my life, I have to plan it. You see me, it was me on New Year's Day. Before, by the time it gets into December, I begin to develop my confession for the year. I begin to write things out. My confession is a department. There's career, there's family, there is finances. There's even part of the confession for my spiritual work. There's all kind of thing. I'm beginning to, I'm beginning to pray now. I move into prayers to get, I must deliberate concerning, God, I want this. God, I want this. I want this. I want that. I must write out the confession and I will confess it. That by this also time, I believe the Lord has given me this. The Lord has this. I have come into this. I get what I'm saying. And that is faith life. That's the beginning of faith life. I get what I'm saying. That I, I feel like I must do those things. And by doing that, I release the, the spirit of God in my life to walk. I get what I'm saying. Uh-huh. And then to give birth to those things. But the problem with that one is that that is the local way of living on the earth. <laughs> when I say local, I mean as a Christian. Uh-huh. When I say it's local, I mean it's no level. It's the lowest. That, you shouldn't stay in that level for too long. It's good to stay there. So you, because of that, you can learn faith, you can learn dependency of God, you learn how to believe in the unseen, all of that things. For training, that's the milk of the word. But don't stay there for too long because that's not the way you are meant to live. You are not meant as a Christian to be confessing about your needs constantly. That's not how you are meant to live. The way you are meant to live is that you should be seeking, take the thought of the kingdom. That's your confession. Then when you are doing that, all other things will be added. You need to move into this, this, the season of other things being added. How they will add the things diverse ways through leading, instruction, 
go here now, do this now. You'll just be seen. Things will just be coming. But when it comes to your own life, it's what you call the seeking of what? Of what? The kingdom and what? His righteousness. God doesn't want us to be weak and feeble. God is looking for people who can say right from the time of John the Baptist that the kingdom of God suffered violence. So the violent take at it by force. Why does it suffer violence? Amen. Because right from that time when John began to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He put the kingdom of darkness in higher light. Why are you talking about this kingdom? This kingdom is a problem. The enemy knows the problem. Let Christians do everything but the kingdom. It becomes a problem when every Christian desires to press into life, to see life, to hold life, to, instead of the normal pursuit and the thoughts which we take, let us take the thoughts of life, praise the Lord, and take life as an occupation, praise the Lord. And as you do that, what will happen? Entrance will begin to come. You begin to gain access, access, access. How do you know a soul that has access? They have substance. So instead of just seeing righteousness, you begin to have righteousness. How do you know you have righteousness? Righteousness is the, is the death of sin. Righteousness puts an end to selfishness. Righteousness puts an end to lust. See, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. It's not easy to untie the weight and the grip of natural things on the soul without righteousness. It is righteousness that makes the soul no longer depend or define its life according to corruptible things, but according to the incorruptible. Are you getting what I'm saying? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. For you loved righteousness, you hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the one. Oil of gladness above your father. He said, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the, the scepter of your one, your kingdom is one. It's righteousness. Amen. Just begin to pray um, for a little bit. I don't know if you've been blessed by, by this, but.
entrance. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Sheprahama, Sheprahadis, Koprahana. Sheprahano, Sista, Papa, Hermanata. Rest Oh, I want you to pray, just pray, pray, pray. There are some of us that need to come into this, touch this thing, this reality. Just don't stop praying, just keep praying, keep praying, just keep praying. There are some of us that need to touch, need to touch the reality of that this, uh, that we need to have this shift in terms of that freedom of heart to find contentment in the things of God or things that are spiritual. There are some of us, are, it's as if we go back and forth. We, it's like, you know, trying to take flight, but you're not able to overcome gravity. You're trying to, that, that, that place of being, that blessed place of being abandoned in the world of the economy of God's word and his thoughts and his will and all of those things that the Lord will grant help to your heart that everything that has been acting against your ascension that you, your soul will begin to find help that the energy of the spirit, the energy of God that to overcome the gravitational pull on your soul that that, that will be broken that that unholy attitude and nature to make God come descend to create an image of a corruptible God. To turn the image of the incorruptible God into that of the corruptible. Let's, 
begin to pray that such tendencies will begin to be healed, will be healed in your heart. That the willingness to take God as he is, to, be, to submit to the school of the Spirit, to submit to the journey of learning, to open up your heart to the invisible, to open up your heart to God's own thoughts and God's own ways without limitations. The Lord will begin to help your heart. Begin to pray. Ask for mercy. Ask for mercy. Not say, Lord, have mercy upon my soul. Have mercy on me. Have mercy. Press. I want you to begin to press at the gate. Press at the gate of the kingdom. Press into the thought. Press into the thought of the kingdom. Into the economy of the kingdom. Press with your heart. Ask the Lord to help you. Rekama ushe pramuri ava oske. Repata tata lebra yarava supre paru rivas kureba ukres katayavan organi keton. Meshemba nota fre etoske frembro di vegan de zuzianto. Embra tata 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 mika pamana manopari ala mamarona marika manamagali magri megeno gut. Shashenda rama susha prampa para wabori eshamprati karima rune megeno. Empra sensu tampra mazusha tampra mosnoskeri ala mazukri megeno gut. Ripasa sandara wamara wazupa tamara moskota pranti kari ala wugule megeno gut. Rupa se tamara pahara wahusha. Continue to pray. I'll give you some a few more minutes. I want you just press with your heart. 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 Call upon the mercy of God. Call upon the grace of God. Call upon the grace of God. Call upon the mercy of God. Oh, me me la raba ma oshe prama marola mosso brande li kabrata ba ori kamai. Oh, me mes ripa mosi shamana mawe na motios. Masa sasa. I want to begin to see life. I want to begin to see life. I want the the kingdom, the definition of the kingdom, to appear to my soul. The sight of the kingdom, richness, riches, the riches of the kingdom. I want to begin to see, I want to begin to see, bless me, bless me, bless my heart, bless my heart with sight, bless me with sight, sight, bless me with sight. I want to see well, I want to see clearly, I want to see clearly, I want to see clearly, I want to see clearly. Bless me with sight, bless me with sight, bless me, give me that birth of water and spirit, give me that birth fully, birth me fully with your water, birth me fully with your water. Bet me fully with your spirit. Bet me fully with your water and with your spirit. Ripa mama mama kuri anda baraba shukre tabaraga uskre. Rampa pamari kata maskori ende griyen tukukuri ma ungriska. Ripa mama suti ande riba uzegre moskubambia dabrote vengo. Orasta papa ungri paskata krema rukie takana. Andros andras 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 andres andreso. Oh yes, yes, Samasa Samandibaharamaha. Oh thank you, oh thank you, oh thank you, oh thank you. Oh thank you, thank you, Jesus. 
thank you, Jesus. Sandra Malika Malombra Mori Kamron Oh yes, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you. Oh Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you. Help us. May we have that one desire to dwell in your house. Yeah. One thing that I desire the Lord, how will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in him, his temple. The attitude of beholding you, seeing you, seeing your life, not, not being tired of beholding your, your thought and your life and your ways and being, being so captivated by those things. So blessed is the man who standeth not, sorry, stand not in the way of sinners, who seated not in the seat of the scornful, who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but whose delight is is in the law of the Lord. Whose delight is in the law? <laughs> Whose delight is in the law of the Lord? It's Lord that he meditates day and night. Lord, help us, help us, bring us there. Bring us there. Awaken the light of your law, the delight of your righteousness. And we will stay there in day and night, never getting tired. Just behold, just behold, just behold. Just behold it, just behold it, just behold in you. Equip us with strength to behold, not to get tired of seeing you, seeing your life, seeing your righteousness, seeing your nature, strengthen us, Lord. Said it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters and bring forth its fruit and receiving. We will be so, O oh God. Plant us by your waters, by your rivers. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for every soul tonight. And Lord, let this water of the Spirit, let it flow to every heart today. Amen. Carry us. Let the waves, the tide of the Spirit carry us. Carry us away. Carry us away, even in the Spirit. Even to the island of your, of your pleasure, where you will teach us yourself and cause your, your laws and to be ever before us. Help us, Father. Help us, Father. Thank you, our Father. Thank you for blessing every heart tonight. Thank you because things have changed. Some things have been shifted. Some of us have pressed into another place tonight. Thank you because great blessing. Some, some arguments have been dissolved tonight. Fresh agreement have been made. Fresh conviction and resolution concerning your life and concerning your things. Thank you, our Father, for we will never be the same again. We bless your holy name and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.